Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today I'm talking to my friend Hyrule, and Hyrule, we're talking about where you're from, which is both a city and a country, because it's the city-state of Singapore. So you were born and bred there, right? That's right. Um, I was born and went to school uh, in Singapore. Um, and after I finished my uh, time in the army, uh, it was two and a half years, I moved to Australia to do my uh, university degree. So doing army is mandatory in Singapore? It is, uh, for now, for all males between 16 and a half. So you, you'd get uh, a letter from the government uh, advising you to report for a medical uh, evaluation at 16 and a half. Um, so typically you would serve your two years between the ages of 19 and 22. Uh, so I enlisted uh, a month before my 19th birthday and uh, yeah, so I was in there for two and a half years. And so were you happy to do that as a kind of service to the state or duty to the state or did you not want to do it? Um, I wasn't enjoying it that much when I was doing it, but I guess the consolation is that everyone has to do it, um, albeit in different, you know, you, you get posted to different vocations. So it's, uh, it's fun because it's, it's actually a, an additional kind of a conversation topic whenever, whenever I meet a fellow Singaporean anywhere, you know, one of the things we talk about or is, uh, oh, what, what did you do during your national service? So it's something that we, Singaporean guys kind of can bond over. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like an identity marker or something that you can, yeah, you can bond over or that you can talk about. Yeah. So um, I think about two years ago, the the Singapore Army started to do this um, uh, kind of uh, PR um, exercise where they they film a reality kind of TV series, and it's actually called uh, Every Singaporean Son. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so if I have this correct, and I think that I do, but in Singapore you have three major groups of people, let's say ethnic groups. So you have the Chinese, you have the Indians who are South Indians, I think. Yes. And then you have the Malay, and that's the group that you belong to. Um, but the Chinese are dominant, right? Yes. So um, I guess in the indigenous population would be the Malays, um, but in the kind of early 19th century with um, kind of trade, and when uh, Singapore, the economy was picking up, there was a there was a big kind of migrant population, especially from South China, with with the laborers, and 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 same with the with the Indians from from South India. So at the moment, the Chinese would be the majority of about two thirds, and then would be this uh, Malays would be kind of twenty percent, and then the rest would be the Indians. And does that play out okay? Is there are there problems between the groups, or is it all is it all pretty? Pretty all right in terms of tension. Uh, I think it's all it's all pretty all right. Um, it's actually a, a significant part of um, school talking about um, kind of racial harmony. Uh, sometimes it can be a bit kind of forced, but uh, the upside is that um, I have friends. I have Chinese friends and I have Indian friends. And uh, funny thing is that uh, conversation between um, a Chinese person and an Indian person can sometimes be in the Malay language. Um, so, so all of us, so every Singaporean would know a few words in, in uh, Mandarin, uh, Malay, or, or any of the Indian dialects. So that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's nice that people make the effort to, to learn a, bit, a little bit. But even within that, English is kind of the, the lingua franca among those groups. 
Uh, yes, uh, so English is the, I guess, the working language. So everything in school or in most of the schools is, is taught in English. And then uh, you normally take up a second language, which is usually the language um, that you're, you know, born into your um, parents speak at home so I um, so everything was in school everything was taught to me in English and I took Malay as a second language but I also have Malay friends who took um, uh, French or Mandarin as a, as a third language because didn't you also speak English or some English at home as well um, not so much when I was growing up I guess now with uh, me traveling and spending more time uh, it's it's funny you should mention that because I remember when I was uh, studying in uh, in Sydney. Instead of calling home, I would just email every day, um, and this was before WhatsApp and, and Facebook messaging and all that. And uh, most of my emails were fully in, in English. Yeah, at a certain point, if you're if you're doing everything in that language, it becomes easier, I guess, to to even talk to your parents in that language. True, true. Yeah, but but everyone's uh, at home. Everyone's comfortable. Uh, speaking speaking in, in English as well as Malay. Okay, so getting back to Singapore, the city. Now, a lot of people who come there think it's a little bit too neat, it's a little bit, perhaps a bit fake. Uh, as a native Singaporean, what's your take on that? Um, I can see I can see where they're coming from. Um, before I was traveling uh, a lot for work and for holidays, and when I was, um, before I was kind of old enough to appreciate it, um, I guess I wouldn't know any better. Um, I, you know, I guess kind of growing up as a kid, I thought, oh, everywhere else was going to be the same. But, um, you know, we do take our uh, orderliness and neatness uh, very seriously. Um, I guess it's easier for the government or, or whoever's looking after the, the space to enforce those kinds of rules because Singapore is small, so it's easier to enforce. And I guess growing up, um, we're more... Uh, I don't know, easier to, uh, to preach to, I guess. Yeah, so the, I think the epitome of this neatness or this orderliness is that you can't uh, spit out chewing gum on the street. Is that right? Um, I may be wrong, but I think the chewing gum ban was enforced right around the time that the metro, the mass, uh, the mass uh, rapid transit system was, was launched in the mid-80s. Uh, and so the reason or excuse was that uh, people were going to um, stick the used gum in between the, the train sliding doors. Uh, for me personally, I was never a chewing gum person myself, um, but it just became one of those things where, you know, if it was banned, then it became like a, almost like a, something that people, um, uh, like a forbidden, forbidden fruit. So um, people would um, drive to Malaysia and buy chewing gum like it was you know some contraband or hot item um, now it's a bit more relaxed you can actually get chewing gum for you know, to help cure your kind of nicotine addiction okay so for medicinal purposes you can get chewing gum yes in Singapore. yes i've got to tell you though it is interesting that people if they're coming from the west i think they think singapore is a bit too western or a bit not asian enough compared mm -hmm. with their expectations the last time i went to singapore i came from india which uh, you know is a bit chaotic, a bit noisy and all of that. And so coming to Singapore, I found it amazing because it was suddenly a lot neater than, than what I'd been experiencing before. So I think it depends on your perspective a little bit. I also wanted to ask you about Singaporean food because it's famous as maybe the best food in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you have to say about that? Um, 
I'll probably get in trouble with my parents, but um, food would be uh, a close second to the thing I miss most about Singapore, just because food is it's still cheap. I know it's uh, obviously things don't get cheaper over time. Uh, food is cheap, you know, good food is cheap, uh, and it's also available throughout the clock. Uh, one of the things I've struggled with uh, moving to Australia was that um, I couldn't eat anytime I wanted because the the restaurants would, would close, you know, between lunch and dinner. And as Singaporeans, you just eat at any time just because it's there. Um, the concept of supper uh, to Singaporean is also different from, I guess, uh, other people. Um, people catch up over supper. So supper is, I guess, defined as anything after 10 o'clock, uh, 10, 10 at night. Um, and it can be a full meal so it's not just you know uh you know what it's not like a late night snack it's yeah a, it's, it's a like legit you know. porridge or toast or yeah you can have like a full uh, chili crab uh for for supper and i've heard that because the food is so good and so cheap a lot of singaporeans just don't even cook at home because it's, they can just get the food they want on the streets it's it is true and because of um it's sort of widely available um for me back home um i have a, a local Kind of food court just across the road so you know why kind of um and when i'm home alone why would i just make a mess in the kitchen just for a, just for a plate of noodles where i can just go down and get one in 20 minutes all right and singapore noodles of course yes although there is no such thing uh in singapore so don't go to uh when you're in singapore don't ask for singapore noodles because you'll be laughed at <laughs> all right thanks a lot Hyrule. listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.